It's the Do Politics Better podcast. I'm Brian Lewis. And I'm Sky David. The moment we've all been waiting for for the last 11 months. 11 months? How about three years we've been waiting (laughs) on this, Sky? Yes, there is a budget. Yay! (laughs) Two very happy lobbyists over here. And we just learned while recording the podcast that the governor has signed the budget, so the budget is now law. We get the final budget on Monday. It drops online. What, about 5 o'clock? Yeah, a little after 5. It was so funny that I said to Brian, like, well, when the budget drops, do you want me to call you? And you were like, yes, call me. So it <laughs> dropped. I found our first provision. And then I'm on the phone with Brian. He's like, what about this? What about this? What about this? I'm like, chill out. We got to do one at a time. <laughs> was such a relief. It was such a relief. Folks were worried that we were headed towards the route of many budgets, which we did in 2019 when the budget was vetoed. And so I think folks were starting to get a little nervous. You know, we're looking at the end of the year, all that federal money, but the budget comes out. And on Tuesday, simultaneously, while the Senate is debating the budget, Governor Cooper is holding a press conference announcing that he will sign the budget. Yes. So it, it was a good scene for us. For those of you who followed the firefighter cancer legislation we have been working on for five years, I think a lot of lobbyists were rooting for us, a lot of legislation, a lot of journalists out there were rooting for us. So I was actually with the firefighters Tuesday morning, Tuesday afternoon, and Speaker Moore had just left, and we broke for lunch, and we were watching Governor Cooper's press conference. And it started off kind of negative. You know, he's kind of listing through some things that he was taking issue with. But he said, I will sign this budget. And that room erupted with applause. It was such a good moment. And high-fiving. And, you know, a lot of folks out there, not just firefighters, there's a a lot of money in this budget. What we're talking about? $25.9 billion. Yeah, amazing. Which is, you know, funding our schools, funding our roads. State employees got a raise. Teachers get a raise. Non-certified personnel. Non-certified. Really, I mean, they raised the minimum wage to $15 an hour. Something that goes back to Nelson Dollar when he served in the House. You know who I've been thinking about? Linda Johnson, who championed Mm -hmm. that. She is now deceased, unfortunately. But... She really was fighting for that. A lot of things that legislators had been working on for years just gave them the opportunity to finally get a project or a program or a line item or get more funding for our existing services. Just a solid budget. The Senate voted 40 to 8 the first vote and the second vote that it was 41 to 7 and then on the house side it was 104 to 10 and then today i think they lost a couple members who probably had to go home 101 to 10. just a handful of democrats ended up voting no on this budget it's not to say that there weren't concerns from the democratic side including governor cooper governor cooper said when he had that press conference I'm going to sign this budget. I think the good outweighs the bad. And he was specifically talking about two provisions that we've covered extensively on the podcast. One would be emergency powers. 
And that would say after 30 days of an emergency ordered, the legislature would come in and make a decision about that. They would have some power checking the governor. And the other provision is that collusive settlement provision that specifically targets the attorney general's office. Governor Cooper essentially said, I'm going to challenge those in court, but I'm going to go ahead and sign it anyway. Do not take my signature as being complicit in those specific provisions. We'll see how that plays out in court. So as we're wrapping up this budget process this week, the speaker made some announcements going forward about what the schedule was going to look like. Sounds like adjournments in our future, our near future. Yeah, the speaker said today that they would take next week off, Thanksgiving. And I think the House and the Senate next week will be negotiating what will go into the budget technical corrections bill so that when they come back the week after, that bill is ready to roll. I know that there's a legislative conference at the end of the month that folks will be going to that week. So that may be like a Monday, Tuesday vote. And then folks are going to leave Wednesday And then the week after that, if they need to wrap anything else up, they'll come back for that. So that's the week of December 6th. And then he said they would be adjourning for three weeks. Technical corrections is such an interesting bill. So you take the budget and it has some misspellings in it. It may have some grammatical problems. It may have just left off complete organizational names of line items. This is the opportunity, kind of as the cleanup bill. You won't see new appropriations in this bill, not usually, but you're going to see just a laundry list of just modifying corrections that they need to make for the budget. So we're just sitting a couple weeks out from those final redistricting maps. That was, what, two weeks ago? Last week, we had all the news about Madison Cawthorn running in that newly drawn district in Western North Carolina. And this week, there were just a flurry of announcements about folks running for different seats, folks resigning, and it is getting to the place where folks need to file. So you're going to just continue to hear more and more announcements. Yeah, so let's start with Congress. Big news this week was that Congressman G.K. Butterfield, who served at one time in the North Carolina House, he announced his retirement. So we hear Senator Don Davis, who's been on the podcast, has announced that he is going to run in Congressman Butterfield's place out in the newly drawn district of eastern North Carolina. There's also news that former state Senator Erica Smith, who's been running for United States Senate, I believe for the last four years, may switch from the U.S. Senate race to that congressional race. And we might see a primary between former Senator Erica Smith and uh, Senator Don Davis, which interesting about this is that Don Davis has endorsed Erica Smith for U.S. Senate. Be interesting to see what that conversation is like. Yeah. So as a reminder, if he's running for that seat, then his Senate seat opens up. We heard the rumor that Representative Brian Farkas may be being actively recruited to take that seat that Don Davis would be emptying. It's like a domino effect, right? Surely. And then we heard that Representative John Zoka down in the Cumberland County Fayetteville area, 
he has announced that he is going to run for Congress, which we then heard former state Senator Wesley Meredith may come back to the General Assembly, a Republican, and run for John Zoka's seat that he's vacating. Since our podcast last week, Speaker Moore said he would be running for Speaker again. He wouldn't be running in that seat. And then I think last night after the budget vote, some reporters gaggled around him and asked him about Madison Cawthorn and running in that district. And Madison Cawthorn calling the speaker in his announcement a go-along-to-get-along Republican. And the speaker, I don't think, took kindly to that. He did not. And I also noticed that Dallas Woodhouse at the Carolina Journal wrote a pretty scathing article about Congressman Cawthorn's remarks directed at Speaker Moore and gave a litany of reasons as to why it was undeserving of Speaker Moore. It's a good article. We'll put it in the show notes. Check it out. There's kind of this watch going on as it pertains to Congressman Cawthorn's decision. Is anyone from the General Assembly going to run for the seat that he currently holds? On the Senate side, there are a couple different senators that could run for that seat and are who say they are looking at that. There is Senator Ralph Heiss, Senator Deanna Ballard. There's also Michelle Woodhouse, who is the yeah. GOP chair in that area. Kevin Corbin is also looking at that seat. Senator Corbin, yes. I think that this Madison Cawthorn story is going to continue to unfold. So we had some announcements this week of some House members that are looking to run in the North Carolina Senate. Gail Adcock, who is my representative in Cary, announced that she is going to run for the seat that's being vacated by Senator Wiley Nickel. He's running in the 4th District. Representative Rachel Hunt is running for the Senate in the seat that Jeff Jackson is vacating. And Representative (laughs) Greg Meyer announced today that he is running for the seat that Senator Valerie Fushi holds. She has made an announcement that she's going to try to take the seat of Congressman David Price. So many moving parts. Election year 2022 will be interesting if you care about this. Yeah, and we're probably missing someone. There is a comprehensive list out there. I'm sure someone's tracking this. We'll see more once the filing begins. We're looking at all of these 2022 races, but in 2024, we're going to be looking at the governor's race, all the council of state, and you have been conjecturing about what you think is going to happen. We all know that Lieutenant Governor Mark Robinson is running for governor. Attorney General Josh Stein, he's running for governor. But I've been getting this weekly newsletter from former Senator Andy Wells, represented Catawba County. If you go to his website, andywells.org, the last five or six email messages that he sends out to his list have really been digging in hard on Mark Robinson. I mean, he's been going at him for his filth statement. He's been going at him for some of his public statements and the way he's approached governing at the lieutenant governor's level. 
I have a feeling, and you heard it here, I have a feeling that Senator Andy Hot Wells. Hot take alert. Yeah, yeah. Senator Andy Wells is looking at that race for governor. Not saying he's necessarily going to do it. Just go visit his website and then, you know, send us a comment. Tell us what you think. We've also been talking to legislators in the General Assembly that there's this idea that Senator Danny Britt, you know, I like Danny. No, Britt. I don't know him. Tell you me don't about, know about him. Dan- well, he's been on the podcast. You can go back and listen to our interview <laughs> with Senator Danny Britt. We mention him maybe once every episode. But there's this idea out there. People think that Senator Danny Britt should run for attorney general. And it's been mentioned by Democrats. In fact, Greg Meyer, I think, said it on the podcast when mm-hmm. he was our guest. We talked to a former state senator out in front of our office last week. He said it. I sent Senator Britt a message just asking him. He, he did not commit. He wasn't, he didn't deny it. He just said, that's interesting. I wonder what people think. And so I think it's something that he is strongly considering, whether he's doing it or not. That remains to be seen. You know this. You've worked closely with him on a lot of issues dealing with uh, sexual assault and domestic violence. He certainly has, I think, the chops to take this job. Yeah, every criminal justice reform measure that had moved through the General Assembly in the last couple of years, this dude's been out front on. And he has really taken judiciary under his wing and moved things forward. I think you heard the ACLU say that this is the most progressive criminal justice reform measures that they'd seen from the General Assembly in 100 years. And they specifically said the Senate. Yes. And they specifically called out Senator Danny Britt is leading that effort inside the Senate. Yeah, I often make the joke that he's already attorney general because he's the one creating the laws. Yeah. And, you know, Senator Britt has not said this to me directly, but I do know that he has a young family. He has a law practice back in Robeson County. And one of the things that we talked about it at the legislative level, but it even applies to the executive branch, that to get someone to really come out of their private sector career and take a job like attorney general, it is a financial hit for them. And I think that becomes a part of the consideration. It is a sacrifice to serve whatever party, whatever position you're in, executive or legislative, or even judicial for that matter. But I do think that Senator Britt is at least considering the idea. Since you're a psychic, who do you think the Democrat in that race would be? I have no idea. Who is on the bench? Part of me thinks it would be Senator Jay Chaudhry here in Wake County. By the way, he and Senator Britt are friends. It would be interesting to see two friends going at it at Attorney General. But Senator Chaudhry has worked uh, in the Attorney General's office. He's also worked in the Treasurer's office. So he he would certainly have the experience. But, uh, you know, he has I haven't had a conversation with Senator Chaudhry about this. You know, you have to be an attorney to be an attorney general. Oh, do you? Yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. Speaker Moore could be attorney general. Speaker Moore could be attorney general. But my point is, is that, you know, we have so few attorneys now serving in the General Assembly as compared to years past. I, I sit there and I think about what that bench would look like. 
no one really comes to mind except Senator Chaudhary on the Democratic side. Sydney Badge. Sydney Batch. Sydney Batch would be an interesting choice. I'm just thinking of people that are attorneys. You know what AG stands for? Almost governor. Almost governor. Just a history of it going back to at least Mike Easley, Roy Cooper, and I think Attorney General Josh Stein is also thinking that as well. It's a cool job, right? You get to work with law enforcement. You get to, you know... Josh Stein is on NPR every morning. Yeah, you get to prosecute folks, and then you get to make those really cool commercials. It's it's ubiquitous when you're running for attorney general. You're walking down the steps of what looks like a courthouse, and you're talking to troopers. <laughs> <laughs> that is the commercial, and you're doing it all in slow motion. I could see Senator Danny Britt making that commercial. A few weeks ago... I sat down with Representative Matthew Winslow to talk about a tragedy that had happened and affects one of our clients. And I came away from it and I said to you, he is such a pleasant man. And we had worked with him a little bit and we decided to have him on the podcast and we got to learn more about him and he is just so, so kind. It was a Nightdale police officer who had died on the job, and we were trying to figure out some policy fixes that we could make in the future to prevent this. But yeah, you came back to the office. I'm so glad you suggested this. So we reached out to Representative Winslow, got to sit down and talk about him and his life and his career in politics. The Do Politics Better podcast is supported by the North Carolina Travel Industry Association. Founded in 1955, NCTIA has a distinguished history of partnering with the North Carolina General Assembly to strengthen and preserve tourism in North Carolina. Visit nctia.travel for more information on how you can support your local tourism destination and the thousands of North Carolina jobs it creates. Representative Matthew Winslow, welcome to the podcast. Good morning. First, just to kick us off, tell us about your district. Where is it? Why is it special to you? So our district, um, I think, like everyone else who show, it's special, you know, because it's our area. Um, it is a mix of suburban, rural, and urban. Um, we border Wake County, so a lot of people live where we're at, and then they drive into work. Um, we are working very hard to try to reverse that trend and create more jobs in our area, but uh, the Tar River is a good divider between, you know, the, the suburban and the rural areas. So uh, lots of farming, tobacco, uh, cucumbers, wheat, and cows and horses and those kind of things, too. And then south of the Tar River, houses is, is what we grow there. So, mm-hmm. And Franklin County is exploding with growth, right? It affordable is. housing. People work maybe in Wake County or surrounding mm-hmm. County, but they, it's an affordable county still. Well, and it's convenient. You know, we have Wake Forest and Raleigh nearby. And so Wake Forest is literally borders, actually grows into Franklin County now. They've annexed mm-hmm. some of Franklin County. It's growing so rapidly. I remember, let's see, I've been there for 21 years now. And my wife and I moved there. And uh, it took some convincing because we were from a rural area. And then we both went to ECU. And we lived right downtown. And we could walk to Krispy Kreme which was fantastic, you know, for college kids. And uh, then we got used to living in, in an area like that. And then I said, hey, we're gonna move to Franklin County. And at the time there was nothing. I mean, mm-hmm. you had to drive to Mini City from Youngsville, which was, you know, a good 40 minute drive. Mm-hmm. And uh, I said, be patient, Target's coming and, you know, mm-hmm. and all the other places. And now we have more grocery stores than, you know, per people in, you know, a square mile than I've ever seen. You know, we got 
Harris Teeter and Target and um, Lowe's Foods and now what's the other one? Wegmans. Mm-hmm. You know, you so have a Wegmans. We have a Wegmans. Fancy. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's how you know Northerners have come down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and Franklin County is. I th- we're in the top ten of fastest growing counties in the state. So. Wow. Yep. Sky was getting her car fixed a couple of weeks ago when we were driving through I said this used to be what we called mini city yes. and it was a city kind of like on the outskirts of Raleigh now mm-hmm. it all bleeds into Franklin County all yeah. the way up right Absolutely. It's, yeah you grew up in a rural area are you from North Carolina I am from North Carolina um, originally uh, from Elizabeth City okay tell us a little bit about your upbringing I was born in North Carolina and then moved quite a bit um, and this is something I don't think a lot of people realize but even though I was born in North Carolina, by the time I was 15, 15, 14, 13, I had moved 12 to 14 times. Wow. Yeah. Not military related. I was going to ask. That's where everybody goes. The military yeah. knows not yeah. military related. What, what, what prompts that? Uh, life. Okay. Yeah, life. Okay. So I've, I've lived in Arkansas and Tennessee and Georgia and Ohio and, um, let's see, South Carolina and Tennessee a couple of times and Virginia. So I've lived quite a few places. And then in high school, uh, freshman year, my mother says, Hey, we're moving back to North Carolina. I'm like, all right. And so I graduated high school and from Camden County. So you speak of your mother. Uh, I understand your mom, uh, had you young. She was a teen mom. 17. Yes. Okay. 17. Yep. Mm-hmm. Can you give us a little background about that? She married and then, you know, and then early when two or three years old, she got divorced and then remarried again. And then you know, later on, divorce again, and so she basically, you know, raised us on on her own for most of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, lost my mother about February would be this come February is two years ago mm-hmm. uh, from lung cancer, mm-hmm. and so you know, a quick if anybody smokes, they need to quit smoking, you know, because that's what it was. It was from smoking. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a fantastic mother. She raised us. Um, the, the running joke is, hey, you know, we we grew up together. Because I mean, seventeen, literally seventeen years apart. So you know, and the funny part is, uh, when I was in high school, all my football player buddies were trying to hit on my mom to take her out. Oh. So <laughs> it's interesting for sure. You know, so yeah, so we we grew up um, tight knit family for sure. Being raised by a single mom is that play into you moving a lot? We we had periods where we you know lived very well, and some periods where we didn't live very well. You know, it was just that was our lifestyle growing up. You know. Mm-hmm. So. That shape who you are today, I imagine. Yes, makes makes me a very hard worker and appreciate what I have. I understand that you're very involved in your community and you have been for a while. Mm-hmm. Can you kind of talk about after you and your wife moved to Franklin County, how you decided to really invest in your community there? I actually started out in local government. Okay. Um, I was a long range planner. That's what I went to school for was mm-hmm. for planning from ECU. Um, and I actually married my met my wife when I was 16. And then we got married in college. Moved here. Um, she is a she get, she went to school for a teacher K through six. I think is what she's qualified for. So she taught school, and then I was the long range planner and then the planning director. Um, then you know God got in the middle of my life and said, "Hey, I know you think you have a plan, but I got a different plan for you." And so I got hired in the private sector and I started doing development work. And so I was developing from here to Myrtle Beach and back in different communities. And um, then EconoQuake hit, and so then God had a different plan for me. Um, I thought, well, I'm going to start applying for jobs overseas, like building windmill farms and that kind of stuff. And I had a newborn baby and a three-year-old child at the time. And I told my wife, I said, let's go overseas and build windmill farms and have a great time. And she had these great visions of us going overseas, and I thought it would be so much fun. 
And then God laughs and says, I got a different plan for you. Mm -hmm. So in the bottom of the recession in 2009, I started building houses, you know, and it was from a friend of mine said, Hey, I think you should start building houses. I said, you've lost your mind. You know, no one wants to start houses right now. And I went home and told my wife, she says, well, if that's what you want to do, that's what we'll do. And so I start building houses. Wow. That's pretty cool. It's hilarious because I'm a planner by nature. I like to forecast and set metrics and, and set goals in my life. I even do every year. I do my personal goals and, you know, financial goals, those kind of things, and where I want to be in five years and this year. And, you know, and I've written it all out, and I knew exactly where I'm going to be. And then God goes, ha-ha. <laughs> <You know, so. laughs> so you are active with your local Habitat for Humanity, mm-hmm. and I think there's another home so uh, Homes for Hope is one of the ones that we were involved in. So Homes for Hope, um, Operation Underground is another big, big one that we're involved mm-hmm. in. We help with uh, battered women, um, all those things. And, you know, like Operations Underground they, they, with human trafficking, that's a big one. That mm-hmm. um, You know, I try to look at the positive parts of life, and COVID really focused a lot on the human trafficking. That we Life is so busy, we don't want to deal with those kind of things. It's, it focused on that. So. You know, through the company, we started helping groups like Operation Underground. Um, Homes for Hope is a great one. You talked about planning your faith, and sometimes God gets in the way mm-hmm. of, of what you've written down. Walk us through the planning of coming to the North Carolina House. How did you end up here? Was it on one of your five-year plans? It was. It was. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I, you know, again, you know, give credit to God. I, in college, uh, my wife worked in uh, in a in a building. Building, and in that building was Senator Ed Warren. Okay. Um, Ed Warren was a long-term um, senator here from Pitt County. And mm-hmm. um, I, didn't, I didn't remember how the introduction got made, but I met him. He says, hey, I'm looking for an intern. Do you, do you want to uh, work here? And I was like, well, I've already got three jobs. I don't know if I'm do a fourth one. Is this paid? He says, no, but, you know, I'd be happy to do it. So I thought, oh, okay, sure, why not? I'll do this. And so. Yeah, I have a lot of spare time. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> um, I mean, at in college, uh, I did surveying work. I drove the bus. Um, I also worked at, it was RPS at the time. I would unload trailers, you know, in the evenings, that kind of thing. Um, and so I was like, oh, sure, why not? What's another job? You know, just add it to the list. And so I started interning for him. And my job, which I love, it was to go to all these groups. We would go to barbecue um, fundraiser for the firemen. And we would go meet with the teachers group. And my job was to go out and meet and greet and ask them questions like, how can we help you? You know, is there anything that you, the senator can help you with? And I'd make little notes and that kind of thing, you know. And so my job was to meet and greet. And I thought, this is fantastic. I, I can do this. <laughs> and so, and I did this for a while. I mean, I remember going to a barbecue fundraiser. And he's wearing a suit and he's got barbecue sauce on the sleeves on his tie. And I went, um, Senator, you've got barbecue sauce. He says, that's how they know it's good. You know? <laughs> <laughs> All right, these are my kind of people, you know. Yeah. So, so after that, I kind of had the bug and thought, you know, this this is my this is where I'm going to be someday, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was a lot more ambitious, you know, immature at the time, and thought I'm going to do this tomorrow. And so, how old were you at this time? I was probably 18, 19. Okay. I was 17 when I went to college, you know. Right. So I always had it in the back of my mind and talked to my wife about it, I want to do this. And so I've had some good mentors in my life and said, Hey, Matthew, wait for God's timing, and then when it's God's timing to be right, you know. And so. I waited, you know, I had my own business and it was growing and all those other kind of things. And then the seed opened up and I put some boundaries in place for myself. I said, I have to have the right team in place. So I have to be here every single day. And so God put the right people in the right place for me at the right time. And the seed opened up and I thought, thank you, God. Now's my time. So that's pretty cool. Two touchstones. I want you to hit if you can, uh, or if you will, first generation college student, I understand from your family. Yes and no. Okay. Uh, my mother uh, actually went to college the same time I did. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Right. Yep. Oh, yeah. I'm, 
Yeah, it, it, there's a lot to unravel. Really grew here. up together. Absolutely, yes, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. She'd call me, and we would start talking. She's like, um, I, "I'm in algebra now, and I know you." I was like, I had already passed algebra, and was in calculus, and she's like, um, "Can you help me?" Like, you know, this back in the day, you didn't have cell phones and pictures and all that kind of stuff, and we're talking to each other on the phone. Like, all right, x equals y plus two, and how do you solve for? It? I'm like, okay, let's let's work on that, you know. And so we literally were going through college at the same time. Wow. Yeah. Did she graduate? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. Yep. What'd you get a degree in? Don't ask me the hard questions. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm, 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 you helped her. You were yeah. her tutor. <laughs> I, I'm, I am fairly certain it was in business. Fairly okay. certain it was in business, okay. yeah. And you yep. in planning. And your faith. Uh, you are talking a lot about how much your faith means to you. When did this become such a central part of who you are? Uh, I would say... Uh, my mother instilled it in, and it's pretty good. You know, I mean, we weren't, uh, we didn't go to church every weekend and that wasn't really what we did. I mean, we were, um, what do you call them? Creasters, you mm-hmm. know, Christmas and Easter. Mm-hmm. And we had a good time growing up. We really did. Um, mm-hmm. We had a very tight, close family. How many siblings do you have? I'm the oldest of six. Okay. Yeah, wow. It goes one, two, three boys and one, two, three girls. Um, and the two girls actually lived, they grew up uh, with my dad. So in, in our household, we had one, one, two, three boys, and then one girl. So the poor girl, she didn't have a chance, you know, so, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, so we grew up and, you know, and we always prayed at supper and that kind of stuff. And so, you know, it was always there. And so come my spiritual life kind of grew from the child's growing up, up through an adult. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So you are a freshman in the General Assembly and you are a Republican. Can you talk a little bit about your political philosophy and how you would describe it and why you are a Republican? I'm a very strong pro-life advocate, okay. um, and I think I've said, if, if you've seen any of my interviews and that kind mm-hmm. of thing when I speak, is that you know my mother had the opportunity to abort me um, at 17 years old. You know, you would think, well, that's the right choice to make, and she was looking at a long life in front of her, and she had a lot of people encourage her to do it. And she says, mm-hmm. no, this is my child, and I'm gonna keep it. So, you know, if I'm not a pro-life advocate, I hate myself. So it makes me number one say I'm very pro-life. Okay. Um, and so that's for me, everything runs from there. You know. Um, you know, strong fiscal, you know, um, mm-hmm. for taxation. You know, I think that the more money we put in, in our pockets, the more we have to spend, you know, and the more we can spend on roads and bridges and those kind of things. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, that I think at the top of the list, that's what makes me conservative Republican. As a planner, mm-hmm. do you feel like you have a passion for looking into like our transportation needs in North Carolina? Like, <laughs> where is your passion in the General Assembly? Well, that was kind of fun to figure out. As a matter of fact, yeah. you, you get in, they send you a list of committees and say, hey, which one do you want to be on? And I was like, I don't know. There's a bunch of them. And so <laughs> I was still trying to figure out the difference was a, between it was a, a standing committee and a, and a steering committee and, you know, a select committee. You know, so I was going through, and it was like a list of 50 they send you, and, and I didn't know which ones to choose from. So I just kind of went through that. list interesting, listen interesting, interesting. And so members like uh, Dean Arp kind of gave me some direction. You know, what do you like, that kind of thing. And I started getting involved. And actually, I asked for a transfer and, and to the transportation committee for that reason because I had been involved in transportation for so long. And, um, and I thought, oh, yeah, I, this one. I really enjoy commerce. And it's huge to your community, it, right? Transportation. Yeah, yeah. yeah we, we have tons of transportation right. needs because with the, all the growth, we yeah. bypasses and stoplights and all sort of kind of stuff we're dealing with. Um, and then commerce was something, another one I really want to be a part of. I really enjoy the commerce part of it. Um, for me, I think we can fix a lot of problems with a strong economy. You know, if I can put, you know, to talk my situation, single mother raising kids, and if they've got a good job and they pay well, you know, it solves a lot of problems, you know, versus where you're in a slow economy and low paying jobs is very difficult to make any ground. 
And so if I, if money is in your pocket and we have plenty of money coming in from the state from, you know, on the taxes part of it, then we can build roads and roads and bridges and, you know, and fix water and sewer issues and those kind of things. Yeah. I'm going to put you on the spot here. Mm-hmm. So as, Oh, now you're putting me on the spot. <laughs> <laughs> so as a planner, as someone who likes to do a five, 10 year plan, yes. what do you see as the biggest issue in North Carolina that's going to hit us in the next five or 10 years? Uh, it's dealing with the growth. Um, mm-hmm. We're a hot spot. I mean, you can look mm-hmm. at who is investing here and the companies investing here. We've got Apple's made an investment. Amazon announced what another thousand jobs over the next 10 years, that kind of stuff. And so we're going to have huge infrastructure needs. And so we definitely need to invest in those areas ahead of time. Um, you know, government's famous for, oh, yeah, we needed that 10 years ago. Right. And so um, and I've lived in uh, a good example. Uh, Marietta, Georgia is where my mother's family's from. Yeah. And I remember visiting my great-grandfather who lived in Marietta, which is on Interstate 75 north of Atlanta. And Newt Gingrich's old district, right? Uh, I didn't know that, but yes. Yeah, I yes. think it is, yeah. And, um, and so I remember visiting, and they, they didn't have running water in the house. They had an in, indoor well. Um, right. They didn't have power on the house, and they heated the house with a wood stove. You know, and he was on farmland, and I have pictures of him. He used to farm with a mule, you know. Mm-hmm. And so that same property today has $500,000 houses on it. And then yeah. you keep going, you know, and we're talking almost the same distance from Raleigh to north of where um, Youngsville is into Franklinton and the Kittrell and then the Henderson. And that's about the distance of Atlanta reaches now. And mm-hmm. when you drive out of Atlanta on 75, you can't tell a difference. And we're only talking 25 years ago, maybe 30 years ago, but you know, we're not talking a lifetime. We're talking, you know, within the same generation of, of one person. And so this is what we're going to deal with all around the Triangle and Charlotte and Mecklenburg and other areas of the state. So you're a freshman, and it sounds like you had experience with the General Assembly through your internship with Senator Warren. But Mm -hmm. can you talk about what it's like? You're in your first session. By the way, we're mid-November. We're still here. I don't know if they told you that when you signed (laughs) up. Uh, But, yeah, kind of reflect a little bit on what this session has been like for you. I love it. I'm not, I'm not gonna pretend I do. I I love it. Um, a little frustration to start off because they give you two and a half days of training and they go get to work for your district and you're, and, and not that they don't want to help, but it's just like, it's kind of the stuff you got to figure out on your own, you know, Mm -hmm. who, you know, which, who chairs, which committees and, you know, and how's the money flow and all that kind of stuff. I mean, they kind of give you some direction and I'll tell you what, the first time I stood up on the house floor to make any motion or any comment or personal privilege or anything else, and, and I've been giving speeches for two decades, you mm-hmm. know, and boards and peoples and big groups and everything else. And I stood up in the house for the first time. And I thought my breath was going to go away. Mm-hmm. I'm not, I mean, I, I thought my heart, you could see it coming through my suit, you know. Okay. And so, I mean, there is that the generations before you have stood here before you and you kind of feel that pressure all of a sudden, you know, it just hits you just like up until the point I stood up, I was fine. And then all of a sudden, bam, you know, so mm-hmm. I forced myself to start practicing by like wishing people happy birthday on the floor and recognizing guests and those kind of things. You know, so that when I do have a, a bill that comes up, I can go through and, you know, and go through my notes and do well. Once I got past that frustration of, I just don't know what to do. You know, who do I talk to about this? Um, and I realized I look at it like a business, right? In a mm-hmm. business, in, in my world, you can't just take no for an answer, mm-hmm. right? You have deadlines, you have things you have to meet and you have to adjust. And the general assembly is the same way. A one road doesn't lead to all, you know, where you need to go. So if you, if you go down one lane, it doesn't work. You can always go down two, three, four, and five. Yeah. And once I figured that out, I had some of the, the longer serving members, you know, kind of pour into me and say, Matthew, there are other avenues to go down. I thought, 
oh, this place is fantastic. This speaks to me. I know, I understand now where this goes. So yeah, yeah. yeah. I often say that it's like watching a TV show that no one else watches. <laughs> <laughs> Very interesting yeah. characters. Yeah. A lot of subplots. Yeah. yeah, it's fun. But you talk about it to like. I mean, for me, my parents don't live here and talk about it to them. They're like, yeah. we do not care, yeah. <laughs> you know? And my wife doesn't care yeah. either. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Remember when session started? I would see you walking around first couple days in session with blue jeans and a sports coat <laughs> on. And I remember asking someone, who is this representative? And they said, this is Representative Matthew Winslow, yeah. a freshman. And I thought, I hope this guy's going to change our dress code here because I like the idea of jeans and a sports coat can you explain this a little bit yeah I was I was I thought I was being fashionable you know I mean (laughs) (laughs) we we start in January it's cold it's raining all the time you know I'm gonna wear my boots and my jeans and coat and tie and everything else I'm enjoying life and I think it lasted maybe a month. And um, why, why don't you keep doing it? You could change things. Because Representative Bell said, Matthew, we have, he called me in his office. He says, Matthew, we have a dress code on the House floor. And I said, they said, what? I, I haven't forgotten a tire. I, yeah. I had zero coat and tie is all it says, tie. right? Yeah. He, he says, uh, Matthew, no, it's, it's the blue jeans. I went, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I can dress up, no problem, no problem. But yeah, oh, I, I would, I would, yes, I would love to work on that for sure. I would, I'd be all in favor of it because, you know, I just, I come to work, I like doing my job, yeah. you know, and so I just, you know, I felt comfortable coming like that, you know. So that could be a bicameral endeavor because I think Senator Brent Jackson likes to wear jeans too. Oh, I need to go talk to him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think it's funny that, that that was noticed. I didn't even, I didn't even realize anybody was even paying attention or anything yeah. else about it at all. I was that naive. We were rooting for you. <laughs> we were all rooting for you. You let us down. John Bell let us down. I'm going to tag him in this one. So yeah. when you guys post him, say, yeah. John Bell, you better listen to this one. So, yeah. yeah. I know that you listen to the podcast. Mm-hmm. So you know this question is coming. But with our politics today, we're so polarized. If you had your magic wand mm-hmm. and you could fix one thing today, what would it be? So I have been with my wife, Marquita, since I was 16 married at 21 and so uh, we have grown up together for sure i mean we've a lot of challenges in life and so um, one of the things that we have learned is that when we argue we should be arguing for a central purpose right what happens is normally we when you argue i take my stance you take your stance and we build the walls and then we fortify them and then we put guns on top and we do not leave those areas right Mm -hmm. and so i see a lot of that in politics is i have stood my ground and that's where it's going to stay right Mm -hmm. and we should i mean on cultural issues and things that are very important we should you know but what we should probably be after is that how do we get to one central goal right Mm -hmm. and so when we this like where my daughters can go to school or you know where the kids go to school how we're going to educate them those kind of things those are good arguments to have, and I have no problem making arguments, but what we should be focused on is what is that central goal, and then how do we, how do we work together to get that central goal? And so when my wife and I find ourselves into a heated argument, which we, we never do that anymore, no, we never, never anymore, never, yeah. never. you know, we, it's like sometimes it's like brother and sister arguing and fighting, you know, and, <laughs> and then we look at our kids and they go, quit arguing and fighting, and they're like, <laughs> you know, but, and, and that's where we kind of recenter ourselves, and so I think the same thing that same rule should apply in politics is that, hey, I have no problem with arguing, but let's argue for one central purpose. You know, where that purpose is, make sure we're going here instead of fortifying, you know, our stance. So how would that play out, you think, with let's take the most liberal member from Durham, for mm-hmm. example. You're talking about 
uh, you and and Representative Marsha Moray can agree on transportation issues. Mm-hmm. You just stake it out on the social issues, but come together on, hey, we all need roads. Is that what it, you're saying? It is, absolutely. On a transportation issue, you know, we should be able to not just stake our grounds. We should be able to, hey, what what is our goals and what are we after and how do we meet the needs of our communities? Let's just take your example of being uh, pro-life, and mm-hmm. that's the number one issue for you. Just hard time getting past the fact that you're working with someone who's pro-choice. You might not be working on that issue, but it's just like, oh, they're bad because they're pro-choice. How do you get around that? I, I don't think they're bad. Okay. No, I don't think they're bad. Yeah. Um, I, well, I'll tell you what. I have a lot of people ask me, you know, is, is, are the politicians there like what you think they're going to be, like what you see on TV? And, you know, I can't speak for, for politicians that are in D.C., but I can tell you is that on both sides, the people I have met here on, on the left and on the right – are really truly interested in what's best for their people and their district and for their cultural and personal cultural values. And I do believe that the ones on the left that are pro-choice truly believe they're doing it for the right reasons. I have a strong cultural opinion that it's not, you know? And so I don't think they're doing it to be malicious. I think they're doing it because they think they're doing it for the right reasons. And so, you know, it, it, you know, I can't sit here. I mean, if I'm, a, if I'm a true believer, I can't hate them for what they believe. That's not what it's about, mm-hmm. right? And so when I look at them, I can't look at them in disgust. I have to look at them as I love you and I care for you. And I want you to see things my way because I feel like I am loving on people the way I think they should be loved on. You know, that's really refreshing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that plus the blue jeans (laughs) (laughs) yeah we got to get you your own podcast (laughs) no my my wife would not be okay with that (laughs) well representative matthew winslow we appreciate everything you do for your district everything you do for the state you certainly know how to do politics better thank you for being on the podcast thank you for your time i really enjoyed it thank you The Do Politics Better podcast is sponsored by the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association. Beer and wine distributors in North Carolina are family-owned companies that directly employ more than 5,600 men and women across the state. The North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association works with the General Assembly to develop alcohol policies that ensure fairness in a competitive marketplace and promote responsible behavior. Visit the North Carolina Beer and Wine Wholesalers Association at ncbeerwine.com for more information. Let me tell you what I like the most about talking to Representative Winslow. He is so excited to be in the General Assembly. He is having fun. He is so optimistic. I love the way he views the opposition, not as the enemy, but just the ideological opposition. I felt his excitement about serving in the General Assembly. What a reminder of all the great things of the job we get to do. I like that he was like, I'm not going to lie to you. I love it. Mm -hmm. I have no problem with being here in 11 months of the year. And he is very busy. He has a very successful business and just thinks it's fun. It really is a fun job because there's so much going on all the time. Maybe it doesn't even affect you, but just getting on social media or turning on the news or listening to a podcast or hearing this rumor or that, which kind of leads us into this week's Tweet of the Week, Sky. Tweet of the Week. Tweet of the week. This week's tweet of the week comes out of a thread. So I'm going to give you a little background. So six days ago, Don Vaughn, Don Vaughn from the News and Observer tweeted, 
y'all want story updates, we've got your story updates. And that was about the speaker and Mass and Cawthorn. And then she said, if you think tonight was exciting in an NCGA, NC Poland, wait until state budget party week. Get hyped. <laughs> and then Clark Reamer responded and said, don't forget the minor constitutional crisis between the GA and a retired judge. And she responded, and this is the tweet of the week. Never change in poll, Never change. It's so true. It's always, sometimes when we don't have session one week, we're like, what are we going to talk about on the podcast? We're like, there'll be something to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) We just know there will be some stories or some drama. It's so good. There always is. It may have nothing to do with lawmaking or policy. So I'm driving back from Asheville and then you call me and you're like, I got some juicy gossip to share when you get here. <laughs> I'm like, well, go ahead. What's it about? Can you tell me? You're like, no, I got to tell you in person. I mean, <laughs> just, I mean it's just so For much. anybody who liked high school. <laughs> yes. You're high school, but you're older now. So you kind of don't let it get to you the way high school or middle school did. But yeah, it is like high school and middle school. It's fun as long as it doesn't involve you. Right. You don't want to be the object of it. Mm-mm. You're right, Dawn. Never change in Paul. We love you so much. The drama, the personalities. <laughs> it's so good. We are going to have a podcast Thanksgiving week. It'll come out the Friday after Thanksgiving. It is a special edition. We're going to talk about what we're thankful for, and we'll have a special guest. It's going to be great. As of right now, I'm thankful that you came back from Asheville. Had a good time with the firefighters up at their annual convention, but glad to be back. So we appreciate everyone who worked so hard on the budget. But especially Britt Bryson. (laughs) Especially Britt Bryson. Have you heard? She's my friend. (laughs) (laughs) We appreciate Britt. We appreciate all the staff at the General Assembly, the legislators who debated the budget, the legislators who went behind closed doors and negotiated. We have a lot to be grateful for going into Thanksgiving week next week. If you haven't already, please feel free to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends. And as we go into a week of Thanksgiving, make it your mantra when you're driving to meet your family and you're thinking about all the ways in which they are wrong about their opinions, (laughs) remind yourself to do politics better. So this week's Tweet of the Week is... (laughs) Are you laughing at my voice? Oh. <laughs> this is, you got to tone that down. This is a family show. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay. <laughs>